It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And today's show, we're going to be breaking down one of the negative things that nobody wants to talk about, but is a reality in the world of college football. And that's what can go wrong with Texas A&M in 2020. We already did an episode where we talked about all the positives that could happen for the Aggies next season. But there are some negatives that are going to be needing to be addressed some point during this offseason if they want to have a productive season. Before we talk about that, make sure that you are subscribed to the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you also follow us on social media, at Locked On Aggies. That is our number one source for all of our podcasting needs. Follow us second at Aggies SI. All Aggies, part of the Sports Illustrated Network and the Locked On Podcast Network, have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M. You're going to want to check that out at at Aggies SI. And if you want to follow me on social media, tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you hate. Just say hello. It doesn't really matter. Any one of those things I'd be more than happy to do. It's really simple. All you got to do is follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson. I'm a mister. My name is Cole Thompson. That's it. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. As we mentioned at the start of the show, Texas A&M is looking for a bounce back year in 2020. And the reality is everything is setting up for them to have a very solid season. According to Jimbo Fisher, he is expecting over 20 seniors to return to a now veteran loaded roster and seven players who were freshmen this year will now see veteran experience time at their vital positions. But also you have to look at the recruiting class coming in. Currently, A&M sits at an average of the number six recruiting class from everyone from Sports Illustrated All-American, 24-7 Sports, Rivals.com, and I believe they are seventh on ESPN's recruiting style. But either way, the majority is right outside the top five. And with two additions of maybe McKinley Jackson and also Zach Evans, who we did a podcast on yesterday, one of them could bring this roster into that top five mode. But at the same time, just because you have a top five roster in recruiting and also you're bringing back a plethora of talent doesn't mean you're going to be good. And there are three ways we're going to break down this segment of how A&M could actually regress in 2020 instead of improve. The Aggies finished 7-5, 8-5 if you include their 24-21 bowl victory over Oklahoma State, and they're going to hope for better results with an easier schedule. When you look at the 2019 season, it it makes sense for why they finished with a 7-5 regular season record. Number one, they were the first team in NCAA history since 1975 to face the AP's preseason top three in a single season. Funny fact, there was also another team in South Carolina that also would face the exact same three teams in a single season. So that was the first time since 1975 when we got two. Second, they were the first team in NCAA history to face the number one team in the nation three times in the regular season. They faced them in week two when Clemson was ranked number one. They faced them in October when uh, Alabama was number one. And they faced them in November when LSU was the number one team still in the nation before Ohio State took over going into conference championship weekend. They're also a team 
that was missing eight players from the defense the year prior, and they were building a new offensive line trying to replace Eric McCoy up the middle. Add all that together, it leads to where the question comes in, what went wrong for AM last season. So the three ways that AM could regress is simple. One, lack of talent. Two, regression from the sophomores. And three, overhype. Let's start with number one, lack of talent. I don't think there is a lack of talent when you look at this AM roster, but there is a lack of depth at certain positions to where this could be a problem. Let's start with the easiest one, running back. Right now, there is one true running back that will return to AM this upcoming season after the 2019 campaign, who was on scholarship. And that's Isaiah Spiller. Cordarian Richardson recently transferred, or at least entered his name in the transfer portal. You have now Jay Sean Corbett out in Tallahassee with Mike Norvell, a school that originally recruited him, but he went to College Station to join Jimbo Fisher's staff, and something went wrong to where he entered his name in the transfer portal right after, right before the bowl game. Deneric Prince is now in Tulsa. We really only saw, I think it was three total carries last year, two years ago. And Jacob Cabote, who was originally supposed to be that first runner after Spiller, transferred to FCS Incarnate Word in San Antonio. There's no guarantee that Vernon Jackson and Devin Acne are the future of that position. Acne could actually end up moving to multiple positions, including wide receiver. And if he moves there, you're now left with Jackson and Spiller. If you add Evans, who is a long shot or somewhere in the middle in the recruiting process where no one really knows where he's going right now, maybe your backfield is a little stronger. But when Anias Smith is taking over a majority of reps as the second string running back and he's not able to play his natural wide receiver position, that's a problem. And if you go look at the wide receivers, granted, while you do have hopefully a Anias Smith in the slot, Jamon Osmond on the outside, you're now hoping that Damon Damas, Musa Muhammad Jr., and whoever else is on that roster can replace the production of Courtney Davis and Kendrick Rogers. Rogers is a bigger replacement to me personally because if he is a big-bodied receiver. When you have that split-end type receiver, it's easy for you to use the jump ball. Damas is going to be the first guy, I think, to get that opportunity to step into that role this summer and potentially be a starter during his first season out in College Station. If he takes over that role, great. But he has to also pick up the production. It won't be as hard because of Rodgers, I think, only had 30 receptions. I think it was under 400 receiving yards. Three total touchdowns this year. It was a down year for a guy who a lot of people expected to be one of the better wide receivers in the Southeastern Conference. But you're also replacing Courtney Davis, who was a multi-purpose weapon. And if Smith is now playing running back, you're now probably trusting Cameron Buckley or Musa Muhammad Jr. to take over his role. Two freshmen transitioning is tougher to do than someone like Smith who was playing limited snaps because he was the fourth receiver and he was making a majority of his name known by doing punt returns or kickoff returns. You got to look at the defense too. Hopefully Jalen Jones can step up as the cornerback. Maybe you look at uh, Antonio Johnson and what he's going to do in the secondary. Can he play a role with Keldrick Harper? What's going to happen with Damani Richardson? And then you also have to look at, I think, just the quarterback in general in Kellen Mott. 
Mon was blessed with a plethora of weapons last year that won't be there this year. He has his go-to in Jamon Ospin. Hopefully, he's going to have something with Jalen Weidemeyer. Isaiah Spiller out of the backfield. Hopefully, Anias Smith. But the rest is kind of a mystery right now. And the one thing you don't want to do with a quarterback who showed struggles last year is fall apart and not have your guy. So, to me, it's not the lack of talent. It's the lack of senior talent that you're losing at key positions. And the depth at those positions could make or break your season. Speaking of depth, there are players who succeeded in their first year down in College Station, but they could regress in year two. And we're going to talk about that in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you're not following the Locked On Podcast Network, what are you doing? We have a plethora of shows all combining with college football, NCAA, uh, NCAA basketball. You have the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, and of course, we just have sports in general. If you are a sports buff, we definitely have your channel. So go check out all the great podcasts at LockedOnPodcast.com. Speaking of Texas A&M, we're right now talking about what could go wrong to cost A&M a productive season next year. We already talked about the lack of talent at certain positions. That one is, to me, the lesser of the evil. If Jimbo Fisher is as good at transforming talent as he was last season, this team should be in a good place. The problem is just that. We hear sophomore slumps all the time. It's more common in the NFL than it is in the college level. Perfect example is a guy like Baker Mayfield. Looked unstoppable in his first year with the Cleveland Browns. When they fired Hugh Jackson, they got rid of Todd Haley. They went with a younger guy in Freddie Kitchens. They let him just control the offense. Things changed immediately. They had a huge turnaround. They finished 7-9-1. They were a game away from making the postseason. And Baker was named the rookie MVP. Rookie of the year. Year two, he regresses. He's talking more to the media. He's acting like a big shot. There's much more hype around him. Defense have had time to look at these players, see where their strengths are, where his weaknesses were. And the Browns, the most overhyped team in the last decade, since probably the dream team of the Philadelphia Eagles, finished 6-10 and and now are picking back in the top 10. That's the same thing that could happen at the college level with some of these guys. They have breakout freshman campaigns, and then they digress. AM was very lucky. They had, I believe, at one point, seven starters who were freshman talent. If all seven regress and the freshman talent can't pick up from what is happening with, you know, with their regression, that's a problem. And it especially is a problem on offense. Because now you have guys such as Anaya Smith, Jalen Weidemeyer, Baylor Cup, because he will be healthy. And Isaiah Spiller having to be the face of the offense. Let's look at this real fast. You have Jalen Weidemeyer, Dickinson native, comes out, wasn't even supposed to be an afterthought for this offense. He ends up leading the team in touchdowns. Six touchdowns on the year. Over 400 receiving yards. Go-to weapon in the middle of the season. 
I think he had two touchdowns for over 25 yards, both against Alabama. I mean, they were garbage touchdowns, but still, production. Anaya Smith, same thing. Versatile player, used his legs, broke open, made a lot of good plays in the open field. I think he had 313 receiving yards, three touchdowns. Okay. Say Weidemeyer starts dropping balls on third and short. Say defenders are now able to turn Smith away from the direction of the pass. And he now has to work around that. Kellen Mond's offensive line is either going to be younger or the same line that allowed 33 sacks this past season. That's not good. They're replacing one player on that offensive line, and that's Colton Prater. That's it. Kenyon Green's coming back. Chad Green's coming back. Jared Hawker's coming back. It's the same line. And if he doesn't have those weapons that are able to get open and make plays, kind of like they were this year, that's a big problem. And now you're relying either on Osbin being the whole face of the offense or a guy like Damon Damos having to step up and become the face for the future. Meanwhile, we're not even talking about the backfield. We've already mentioned that Isaiah Spiller will be the only scholarship running back next season. We haven't mentioned the fact that if he regresses, we have no idea what is the run game. And a one-dimensional offense in college doesn't work. In fact, it fails tremendously. The only way that you see it work is when you're playing against weaker defenses. The Pac-12 and the Big 12 have made it work to where you can throw it 50 to 50 to 60 times a game. And if you land 50% of your throws, you're likely going to put up at least 300, 400 passing yards. Probably four or five touchdowns in a game. The SEC is known for being good on defense. They're quality defensive football. You actually can see sometimes better defensive teams than offensive teams. There was a few years ago where Alabama's defense was actually better than their offense. And it wasn't even close. People want to make an excuse like, oh yeah, Alabama, they were were the most balanced team. Nope. Their defense really carried the way. It was the first year with Jalen Hurts. I remember that. It was my first year out of college. They carried that team that year to the national championship. And then in the end, they lost to uh, Clemson. Because they were a more balanced team. That's what I look at when I see this A&M team. You're either going to rely on the defense. And even then, you're not even sure what's going to happen on the defense side of the ball. Is DeMarvin Leo going to be as productive as he was down the stretch with Tyree Johnson? He had two sacks and two big-time stops in the Texas Bowl. Which led to promise for the future. If teams are able to learn how to double-team him or even find his weak spot on the defensive line. Those are things that you can look at and just go, hmm, okay, this is something that we need to find out how we can make him better. And there's no guarantee that the guys who are coming in, uh, Antonio Doyle, uh, Philil Diggs, all of them, there's no guarantee they're going to be as productive as Leal was in a limited role last year. Damani Richardson on the deep end, is he going to be able to get better in coverage? He wasn't bad by any means, and in the Texas Bowl, he actually started showing improvement. But I do look at this team, and I'm wondering if they have slip-ups with their newer guys 
who have sophomore slumps. They're relying, one, on that veteran talent to take major control and also the freshman talent to do what they did this year. That sometimes works in your favor and sometimes it backfires bad. And it shows that maybe you're just a year away. Maybe you're just a game away. Maybe you're almost there, but not there yet. And that's a reality for A&M. Speaking of realities for A&M, there is one thing that nobody else is talking about, which could be the downfall for the Aggies in 2020. But we're going to be breaking that one down in just a quick moment. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Aggies is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Texas A&M fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. No, not any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Texas A&M fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local fans love to support local businesses. So text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. And remember, gig them y'all. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Number. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked On Aggies. Something we haven't talked about yet that just is a reality that happens every single season in college football. And maybe this is the year where A&M actually gets the boot. Last season, Texas A&M finished 7-5. I spoke to a lot of people who cover this team and a lot of people who cover the SEC in general. And the consensus record for A&M last year was 8-4. The consensus record for Auburn last year was 8-4. And And if you throw out that one game where A&M almost came back to win, that would have been right. They they would have finished 8-4. and four. But they were going to lose to Clemson. They were going to probably lose to Alabama. It looked like they were going to lose to Georgia. And while they did almost beat Georgia, if there was clear skies that day, maybe it's a whole new ball game. And maybe A&M loses by 40. Or maybe they win by 5. But they were going to lose to LSU. And it wasn't even before Joe Burrow showed the magic, before we saw the future of what it could be, before we saw LSU turn into national champions. It was because you have a pissed off LSU team and you're playing in Tiger Valley at night. You're playing in Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. Ed Orgeron's not losing to you in that type of fashion a year after what was probably the greatest game in college football that season. He's not losing at home. So 8-4 was probably the best record that they could do. This year, there's a lot of people I've spoken to already saying that AM has a shot to go 11-1, maybe 12-0, maybe 10-2, and that's the lowest. That's the thing. Maybe AM is just overhyped. 
that that could just be the legitimate answer that nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to admit. Nobody wants to say that could happen. But the reality is it could. It easily could. And let me explain why. Let's take a look at their early conference schedule. They'll play out of conference. Abilene Christian to start the year. They'll face North Texas. They'll then face, I believe it's Colorado. And then Fresno State. Those are their four out-of-conference games. All right? Abilene Christian's an easy one. I'm going to pencil that one in. I'm going to pencil in probably North Texas, too. That one's probably harder than Abilene Christian, but that's an easy win. It's a brand-new staff under Kalen DeBoer, now at Fresno State, so give them that win. But Colorado, here's the funny thing about Colorado and the Buffs. They're a team that is losing Steven Montez and LaVisca Sinault, but they're returning a majority of their defense. And they're run by a former SEC defensive coordinator in Mel Tucker. He took over the team for Mike McIntyre after I think it was eight seasons with the Buffaloes. So he's bringing that SEC-style defense to Boulder. If they can shut out Kellen Mond in the offense... This isn't as easy as a game as everyone expects it to probably be for AM. Yeah, they could win by 30. They could also lose by field goal. And Yale will be played in College Station. And that will be a tough, tough loss to handle. But I'm not going to sleep on Mel Tucker. Because if he's done decent in recruiting this year. He's building the roster for the future. He landed a beautiful five-star a couple days ago. Um, but also... He knows SEC offenses very well. And he knows Jimbo Fisher very well. So we could definitely see that happen. Also, let's look at the SEC in general. They're taking out Georgia and they're replacing it with Vanderbilt. Derek Mason has to win consistently this year or he's out of a job. And a lot of people I've spoken to were just shocked that he got to stay. Especially when you look at the firings of Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke, who had better seasons the last two years than Mason had. That's now changed for Georgia. They should win that game. Especially since they lost Keyshawn Vaughn on offense. But South Carolina, maybe is a trap game. Here's the thing. If Ryan Holinsky is good, he already was better than Jake Bentley. And he had moments this season where he did show he could be a legitimate quarterback in the SEC. That's no longer a safe, safe win. It's just, it's a little safer because of probably you're losing your two key players in Javon Kinlaw and Brian Edwards. But that game at points this up this last season, it wasn't that far to reach. There were moments where it was like, all right, ain't I'm going to pull away? Nope, they're going to stay. Okay. Oh, now they're going to Nope, nope. And then in the third quarter, everything finally started clicking. If Holinsky plays and he plays well, they're not going to be able to have that third quarter to do all that. And then you have the SEC West in general. They got tough. If you thought the SEC West already was tough, the additions of Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss in a Mississippi State, that is a 
juggernaut of a schedule. You're now facing Ed Orgeron and the national champion LSU Tigers at the end of the season. And the week before that, you're playing Nick Saban in Brian Denny Stadium. And if Mac Jones is the guy, he showed promise in his games. He showed promise in the Citrus Bowl, for sure. Let's also look at this. Maybe it's Bryce Young, five-star recruit. Maybe it's Talia, low brother of Tua. And if he's anything like Tua, we already know what they're going to do. And they didn't lose everyone on offense. They still have Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris. It's no longer an easy victory against Alabama because you have veteran talent. Then you have to look at also the two schools from Mississippi. Both, I think, could be trap games. Both could end up being big trap games. And then you have Arkansas. Sam Pittman, I think, could have been the best hire. It also could be a joke of a hire. That's kind of the thing with Pittman. He was so out there. Nobody really knew what to make of it. And maybe that's what the Razorbacks needed. Was they didn't need to go get that big, flashy name to win. They needed to get a guy who could just come in and help them win. All of those games in the SEC West are no longer, in my opinion, for sure wins for AM. Arkansas looks like an e- the easiest win. But with the addition of Felipe Farkas, off the table. Still anything could happen. Both Magnolia State schools. Neither one of them are completely easy wins. They're easier than, say, the two state the two schools from the Yellowhammer State in Auburn and Alabama. They're easier. Chad Morris could change Bo Nix and he could be a Heisman Trophy winner next year. That is a legitimate statement. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could. Then you also have to look at Alabama and you also have to look at LSU. LSU is not an easy win. Even if they did lose everyone. 8-4 and four might be what you see next year. But those are three ways AM could digress in 2020. And all three, if you really want to think about it, are plausible. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we will be talking about a preview. What to expect against Georgia this upcoming weekend. The Aggies are on a three-game win streak on the road. Can they make it four? We'll find out. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. We'll see you then. And remember, gig them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.